Well, praise God. I know that you're near. Father, we magnify you, glorify you. We had a great conference. It was wonderful. We missed you guys. There's no place like home. Appreciate all you elders and, and Homer always delivering the word. I'm sure it was good. I'll have to listen when I get caught up a little bit. Hallelujah. It's always good. Always learning. Always good stuff. In the conference, it's not a week of rest. If you've ever been to a conference, you go nonstop. You get up early and go to you um, fall in the bed at night. It's not a time of rest, but it is a great time. That's a here's a here's an oxymoron. It's a great time of renewal and refreshing that just wears you out. You just get wore out. And uh, so it's really good. I don't, I don't, you know, I just never call Homer while I'm gone. Uh, I, I think I called him the last day. Because I know you guys got it. And I appreciate that. And uh, it's, a, it's a pitiful church that uh, the pastor's done a terrible job if he has to feel like that he has to check in every day and check in every couple of hours and he's he's taught the people to we've got incredible elders here men and women the women are just as strong as the men and uh so we appreciate you so much thank you so much all of you that are online watching this morning we've got two cameras we still don't what is going on and uh, when I say we just sitting in the back I know enough to know the challenge that they're facing that our geeks our handsome talented uh, people of that know something and so there's several you know that are working on this but we've got one camera on the floor that you're watching me probably at a different angle than normal is that above everybody's head when when they walk by at least I guess you'd have to be maybe Otto could set it off or, or maybe yeah so anyway so the normal camera that's streaming is is not the one in the sound booth it's up high above everybody but we're recording on that one which we'll post later but uh, I'm glad you're able to watch us. We, we've got plenty of cameras. Cameras is not the issue. We just don't know what yet is the issue. That's probably not good English. But anyway, um, we're going to figure it out because God's going to figure it out. Hallelujah. We'll get some people in here that's more knowledgeable than us, and uh, we'll figure that out. Because you're important, those of you that are watching, just as much as everyone in here. Thank you all for giving while we're gone, and thank you for giving this morning. Um, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to get ready to give. If you have something this morning to give, and those of you are online, many of you are sending something like, and I haven't pushed this, I've just said it's available, that you uh, set up something um, you know, with your bank or whatever, those are, if I ever make suggestions like that, it's not to say, to try to push it, it's to say, 
there are so many different ways. Uh, somebody came to us at the conference and said, you know, the account that I've got, it doesn't match up for whatever reason with PayPal. I don't know what's going on there. And uh, I said, I don't know. We did have another way of, for people to send, you know, funds in. And that, besides for PayPal, and that wasn't working. We had all kinds of problems with that. And then uh, we just finally dropped that and then just stuck with PayPal. But there is uh, a way to do that with your bank, with e-checks. You know, just you can, and, and some of you are doing that, and we appreciate that as well. Most people don't have a problem. They've got a small bank where they're at, but uh, they'll figure it out. And, you know, we're not anxious about getting their funds anyway, except that we want them to be able to be uh, blessed for being, you know, being a part, not that they got to do that to be blessed. I'm just saying it's a blessing to give, and their hearts are open to that. So this morning we're going to pray, and uh, if you're here in the auditorium, you have something to give, please bring it forward. It'll give us a time of greeting. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's here this morning, and hallelujah, it's good to see everybody. Um, amen. I just, I've just met Daisy before the service, and she's a f friend of uh, Mavis and Gabe, and she's here, and so Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody. Let's all stand together. And Marty, you'll give us some music, I guess, to be a part of this. So, Father, I bless this time of sharing and giving. And I'm asking you, Lord, as we fellowship one with another, that, Lord, that you'll touch the hearts of everyone that's watching. That, uh, Father, your blessings be in their living room or wherever they're at. And watching this this morning, we give you all the praise and glory. And we bless this offering in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you meander around fellowship and also bring this offering down. Amen. More than yesterday, I need you, Lord. More than words can say. Words. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hallelujah. Priscilla and all her girls, man, I'm telling you. They're all beautiful, you know. If, if you just didn't know and just looked and just met them for the first time, you'd think they're all sisters. It's like, man. Well, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glad to be here. Appreciate, as I said before, no Sunday night service tonight. Why, Pastor? Because I'm tired. <laughs> Corey and, um, what did somebody say it was funny? I don't know. Huh? Amen, yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Corey and Arnold were uh, made it up, and they were a big part of it. Everybody, you're not going to believe this, everybody loved Corey. <laughs> and they loved Arnold. That was great, yeah. And uh, Rex and Marsha made it up, and uh, it was great. And then the Alabama group came in there, and it was five of them. And uh, I was able to show them off. But it's not hard to show those guys off. They're genuine. And uh, people were talking about them. And, they, of course, they're a mockley. You know, they're Family Prayer Center, uh, Tuscaloosa, a mockley Tuscaloosa. So, and they'll be down soon. 
the uh, beginning of November. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, our good friends, Gary and Jessica Hardy, were there, and they had their family and some new people with them. And they're, they're, they're Immokaleans too. So, and I'm so privileged to be their pastor and uh, many others that have looked to us and said, uh, I want you to know that you're my pastor, <clears throat> and I'm privileged, and I start naming names, I'll forget somebody, I'm sorry, uh, hallelujah. We want to, I want to just say, continue to pray, you don't know, I said continue, you wouldn't know if to continue if you hadn't had the initial prayer, but Chuck and Deborah Moore from Tennessee, they visited us several months ago, and they have uh, started, uh, the Lord's directed them to start something uh, in their home. They just tried for years, for years to go to a, a local church and, uh, you know, to be a part of something locally. And there was just no way. I mean, after a while, when you hear doctrine that is contrary to everything you know is truth, it's just, after a while, it gets to be impossible to sit there. And really, you owe it to the people not to sit there because after a while, even without knowing, you'll, you'll get an attitude. And it'll, you know, nobody, no pastor or nobody, nobody standing in the pulpit likes to see people, if they don't have a good poker face, that when they say stuff that it is totally revealed, you don't agree with me. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> uh, learn to learn. It's not hypocritical. Just be nice. And, you know, if you go to places, anymore, when I go to places, it's been for a long time. And I can't help it. I mean, it, I really can't help it. It's not, I've checked myself. Lord, is this me? Is this the flesh part of me being critical? But when I sit down, if it's outside of our sphere of men and women who teach, and I start listening, and I'm like, man, because I want to hear, I, I want to hear truth, you know, and, and I'll tell you this, the, the other side of, of me, and this is not a brag on me, I bet it's working in you too, but the further I go into him, the fur, the mu how much more I love everybody, or, or appreciate is a better word, I've always loved, but appreciate everybody who preaches and teaches the truth to any degree. Jesus said you cannot give someone a cup of cool water in my name that they would lose their reward. So it doesn't matter if they're people that are filled with the Spirit, not filled with the Spirit. Um, man, I just appreciate them. If they're, on the, if they're on our side, the side of light, God bless them. I appreciate them. I respect them. But I'm not going to sit under their doctrine. No, now that's a different thing. I'm not going to sit just because of my appreciation for them as a, a family member in the kingdom, I'm not going to sit under their doctrine. And I can't help it. I'm just, see, I'm just telling you, when I sit down in the service, something goes off inside of me. I'm discerning everything around me. And I'm discerning uh, what's being said to me. Maturity is this. If you think maturity is agape that just gobbles up, you're immature. If you're not, if there's not something that for the first time you've been introduced, I don't care if it's, if it's me that's told you, listen to this preacher, and, it's, and if he's new to you, 
you better have your antennas up. You better have your antennas up, and you better have your antennas up for three, four, five, six, a dozen messages, because you don't know where they're coming from. You've tested me. You've, you've tested me for the last 24 years, but I don't care how excited, and I don't care who it is. I mean, they're, you know, even when, when I am recommend, or when I recommend something to Jim or Gary or Tim or whatever, these men discern. And I discern, you know, they don't expect me or nor do I expect them to just absolutely accept something um, if it's something new from somebody different. So maturity is discernment. Maturity is like, okay, I'm listening and I don't have an uh, antagonistic attitude like you're already in a posture like I'm going to see if I can pick out uh, wrong things about what this person is teaching me an antagonistic attitude is different than a discerning heart so you're discerning you're listening to say oh wait a minute I don't care if they're uh, working in miracles or what if you get if you go someplace and somebody teaches you a doctrine other than what we're teaching and there are six people that get out of wheelchairs I'm sorry if the doctrine was wrong it is wrong and miracles do not solidify or verify doctrine. We've learned some, some very powerful things, and I, the Holy Spirit has taught us that the Holy Spirit, through gifts, can circumvent and go around character flaws and bad doctrine. If you think somebody, oh, we got somebody healed on the streets, and then they teach something really weird, that miracle did not verify their, you know, their doctrine uh, if it's wrong. Now, what would you want, Pastor, if you had to choose? Miracles or sound doctrine? Sound doctrines a million times over. A million times over. Sound doctrine is the foundation for miracles taking place without you getting you know squirrely weird god bless william brannan i know he's in heaven but i'm saying this not out of pastor dave used to talk about he had incredible miracles incredible he could like uh he had words of knowledge that he could begin to speak and if you were in the auditorium, he could call out your sickness. And if that didn't get you up, he, he could call out, like, he could go into, well, get your driver's license out. I can tell you, you live on such and such and such an address, and your driver's license number is such and such and such. I mean, that's a pretty accurate word. And they would come up, and he would have incredible, incredible, ab I mean, the miracles that we're claiming as in, Revival miracles. But he did not have a strong background in the word. In other words, evidently he was not meditating the word and praying in tongues like we teach it. But he had a strong, as a, an evangelist, a strong ministry of gifts, of, of miracles. And I mean it would show up all the time. And uh, 
preachers, uh, certain ones that were fathers came to him because he wanted to teach. He wanted to teach. But uh, he wouldn't go in evidently to the word because the word will give you the, the foundation. You know, if you just pick out something and you want to preach it just because you want it to be truth according to you, you can't do that. Dave, Pastor Dave taught us the laws of meditation so eloquently, so precisely, that you first of all, you find where a subject starts and you find where a subject ends. It may be four, five, six, seven chapters covering one particular subject. And uh, you take the laws of meditation is you never take anything and never means never ever 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 do you pull anything out of context so if you pull stuff out of context you can you can destroy the whole image that's in in the seed well they begged him they said brother Branham you've got a gift but you need to stay away from teaching just be an evangelist call people to the altar get them saved and do the miracles and he wouldn't he was like no I, I want to teach I want to teach I want to teach well uh, he did have incredible miracles but history records and you can read this in, in, hit, in uh, books so I'm not trying to be mean to the, to the person. I respect him. Never met him. It was before my time. But he got very extremely strange. Teaching doctrines that such as women themselves were the seed of Satan. That there was something going on between Eve and Lucifer. Somebody said, well, that's weird. I know. But miracles alone did not verify how weird he, how people can get. And all other things that he finally, uh, I believe out of the mercies of the Lord, the Lord lifted his hand. And before he got too far gone, the Lord received him. I think he died in an automobile accident, which is not good. But listen to listen. I'd rather, if I got off, I'd rather die early and make it to heaven than die late and get so far off that I spend the next billion, trillion years in a lake of fire. I'm not going to get off, but I would hope to God, I would hope to God that somebody around me was close enough that if I did get off, so far into left field, you walked in an anointing of love so powerful that you could turn me over to Satan, to the destruction of the flesh, that my spirit would be saved in the Lord's day. Because I'd lots rather make heaven and go in, as Christ said, with my arm cut off or my eye gouged out or my foot cut off what are you talking about? Jesus said, if you have those kinds of things working on the inside of you, that it would be better that 
Now, he's not talking about you maiming yourself. He's talking about you going to the extent, the absolutely extent of you crucifying or killing that part of your flesh. Even to the point that he made some incredible things like if your hand offends you, cut it off. Now, he doesn't want anybody to take an axe and cut their hand off, but he was saying if there's something inside of you that has the capacity to offend others and to keep you from heaven, you better go to the extent that it would be equal to somebody lopping their arm off or their foot or if your foot offends you or if your eye offends you. Jesus said some incredibly hard things. But what he was saying is heaven, hell, heaven, hell. You'd be better off to go to extreme to be able to get into heaven. Now, nobody needs to hurt themselves. That's not what he's saying by any means. But it is the same as if you would go to that extent. And I had no intention on saying any of those things, but it's helping somebody. And it's ministering to us as a congregation. Yes, Lord. So, I want to continue. Oh, by the way, the conference, as I said, was great. I hope that all of you are at this point signed up for Dave Roberson's uh, emails and monthly letters and stuff. Because if you did, it was automatically generated to you. Uh, they don't have streaming as of yet, but it was all they they videoed all of the services and anyone that is on their list and you need to you can get on their list after this service. Um, those videos and those services were automatically within hours sent straight to you. So you just click on and you're able to watch. Uh, most of some of you have watched the whole conference already. And it was very, very good. I spoke uh, two times and then I did a conclude a review service at the end. So actually three times. But the services were incredible. They were very, very powerful. I hope that you sign up for those emails. You can still get those services, I'm sure, and watch them this week. Um, the front part, probably the worship is off, but the, the, the service is very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. Hallelujah. So I'm going to, I just know that he wants me to continue on for just a little while this morning. And then we'll, we're going to have prayer. We may have nobody to, you know, if I pray just through the camera, to the camera, that'll be enough. But we want to continue to make access to born again, spirit filled and healing in, in many of these services. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. And we'll just be there just, just for a moment. This is more of, if you're watched or were part of that last service that the Lord had me do. And I didn't even give a title to it then. Candy was asking me yesterday how to post this. I said, well, uh, the war with two parts. So this is the war with two parts, part two. So I'll probably say s several of the same things that I said there. And for some of you that were in that service or have already watched, you'll get a rehearsal with a little bit more this morning. And this may not be the end of it. So Gary Carpenter, he said, he acknowledged that uh, the next service. He said, I, I've heard Bronk preach for 19 years. I've heard all of his messages. I've never heard him use or speak uh, on this line concerning these particular scriptures. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Because I hadn't, 
And the Lord gave it to me even while I was up there in Tulsa. But let's look at um, chapter 10 for just a little bit this morning. Father, I just worship you. Agree with me in prayer. We thank you and we praise you that the word is always at work in this house. It's very powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart right there where they're watching, wherever, whoever is watching. That the mind of Christ is coming in there this morning and the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for just in a few moments we'll release the power of God and healing and virtue. And we thank you, Lord, for those that will potentially be born again or spirit-filled. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. By the way, I want to congratulate Daniel for his uh, beautiful month-and-a-half-old baby girl. Amen. So, so beautiful. And uh, he has pictures, if you want to see pictures afterwards. And uh, his wife is in Ghana still, and as we're believing that she gets over here at some point in the future. Hallelujah. But he's been over there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we appreciate those pictures. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 10. And Paul said, I be- Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ... Who in, presence, who in present and base among you, being absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, there was a war at Corinth and... Uh, of which apostle to follow. Paul had actually birthed the church there, but still there was this war in who to follow or who to listen to or what doctrine to attain to. And, and uh, of course, that's covered in 1 Corinthians, the first couple chapters, but we won't go into that this morning. But verse 3 says, For though we walk, he's talking about himself and those in the ministry with him, and collectively, as a body of Christ, this is our position. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, though you're walking in a physical body, your war is not uh, the strength of it or the authority. How many remembers the, and I hope you were in it enough to remember, that the last blueprint for 2020 prophecy was move out of my authority. And that was a dictation from the Holy Spirit that say in these last days and as we move forward, we're going to have to move out of his authority, move out of his authority. And that was part of that prophecy was already stirring in my spirit. And then the Lord brought it up. And I remember how how intricately the Lord was teaching me during that time. Somebody is this is this this is a small but yet as intricate as I can describe, somebody was in front of me, they, wouldn't, I was, they were sitting at a stop street, and I was waiting for them, Candy was with me, and I was like, they wouldn't move. And it was, I was like, whoa, okay, you're going to move now, I'm sure, traffic's clear enough. Nope, nope. 
it's, it's proper. It is proper to get their attention. They may be on their cell phone. They may be texting, which they should not be doing. They may be doing something else. It's proper to give them a, a tap. That's proper because you need to get their attention. That's why horns are in cars to keep us from having wrecks or somebody to wake us up. You're getting in my lane, you know, beep. But when you beep and then you give the frustration beep, <laughs> you have moved out of your authority. And the Lord began to teach me, and I know that that's comical to me as well, but at the same time, it tells me something that we're, there's a residency in all of us in the natural man that we try to use as an authority in the spirit man. And we try oftentimes to inter integrate the two, and they don't integrate. And he said in that prophecy, more determination, more being adamant. Well, I'm an adamant person. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just tell them what I, you know, what I think and get the job done. Adamancy or being a person that gets it done, we need more of you. But we need more of you in the spirit than anything else. Because when you're, when you're pushing past demonic warfare, your toughness in the natural doesn't mean a thing in the world. It's what you exude out of your spirit. Now, above us is a realm that we call the second heaven. Paul went to paradise, which is the third heaven. It's the place where Christ, God the Father, live. And it's not a billion miles away. It's just in another dimension. It may surprise us. Christ looked up as if to signify that the Father was in heaven. But it may surprise us to understand that heaven is, if we could understand it, maybe just no, close, no further than next door to this room. It's just another dimension. It could be, but you can't get on a rocket ship and travel a billion miles because it's not in that dimension. Heaven is a place where God is at, and it's another dimension, and that's not our lesson this morning. But the second heaven, Satan is called the, principal, the princi principality or prince of the air, the prince of darkness. He has ascribed, he's a... He's a the word teaches us out of the book of Revelation. There's a scripture there that says that uh, in essence a third of the angels fell with him. And so he was able through, a, this is incredible to me that how a fallen, you know, if we're, if we're in a fallen atmosphere, it's, I can understand um, somebody in an atmosphere where there's already you're not thinking straight part of the time because of the atmosphere around you, like a party atmosphere, a worldly atmosphere. If the angels would have fallen in that, I could have kind of understood. But when you're in a pristine, crystal clear, only God, there was no evil. No evil. Somebody said, well, Satan tempted me, and they blame everything on Satan. Well, I wouldn't have done this, but Satan... Or, you know, the atmosphere was too strong. I had to do this. 
One of the great deceptions of the enemy is to teach your flesh an excuse called Satan did it or the devil did it. If that is the case, if Satan made you, let's say, far out things, this is not even revivalist talk. If Satan made you snort it, drink it, do it, spend the night there where you shouldn't have viewed it or whatever, if he had that capacity to make Christians and then will graduate a little bit further to people that have the capacity to actually cause a revival, then we'll talk about other subsequent things like attitudes. Attitudes or dispositions. Because attitudes and dispositions, as we'll find out in a few moments from Ephesians chapter 6, can also be a, a tremendous deterrent for us fighting a strong spiritual warfare uh, that really has, and I said this word then, and I'll rem I'm remembering now, umph. Umph to it. In other words, power to make something move. Power to make something move. If a person says, uh, Satan made me do that. Well, let's just think for just a moment. If Satan, in, in other words, if the argument is, it's, it wasn't me that did that. It was, I was just, the devil came and put so much pressure on me that I had to do it. You know, he, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one that's making me argue with my wife. He's the one that's making me have an attitude. You know, it's not legal, and I don't have any temptation to, to uh, feel sorry for the devil. But if he was another entity other than, than the mean, sorry self that he is, I'd feel sorry for him. Because he's been accused. You, he, you're talking about he's the accuser of the brother. He's been accused of so much that he never did. What? Who did it? Self. Self. Really? Oh, yeah. Your own self can contrive things and out of your flesh. Because the argument is this. If it takes a tempter, if it takes a tempter or some, somebody outside of yourself to make you do something bad or convince you to do something bad, then who was Satan's tempter? Now, if he's the start of it all, but it's always somebody else's fault, who tempted him? Well, I'm not sure. Well, see, God's not the creator of evil. Heaven was perfect and pristine. No, out of his own volition through, I don't know how, the Bible doesn't tell us, maybe, maybe millions of years. We don't have a timeline. He was there in existence, but one day he began out of his own thought process to think, I, I'm so beautiful. I'm so wonderful. God's given me authority over all these angels. What, I, what it's hard for me, and I tell you, I, I really, it's hard for me to even reconcile. Well, Pastor, can I ask you questions on this later? I know, really, because I'm giving you all I know. It's just hard for me to know how in the world, in the presence of a pristine glory that he could go around and he had to go around secretly but it wasn't secretly God could see it all but he had to go around secretly and in a process of time he didn't just get up one day and say hey I'm leading a rebellion how many of you want to follow me it had to be that he convinced their minds of the same deception 
that was working in him. His deception was, I can do a better job than God. I really believe, now how idiotic, how crazy is it for something that was created by that person sitting on the throne to think, I can, even though he created me, I can eventually supersede him. I can go beyond him. You're talking about losing your mind. When he lost all sense of reality, then he began to convince others. We don't know that realm. We understand that there is a realm of principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places, according to, to Ephesians 6. But somehow he convinced them. Nobody tempted him. He tempted himself. He himself was his, the enemy. What does that tell us? Even without Satan's help in a fallen world, especially when we have on us a body that is still a body that has not yet been redeemed, this body hasn't been redeemed. You've been redeemed on the inside in the new man, the born-again man, but your body has not been redeemed. In other words, if you don't keep it under subjection, it will do anything you'll allow it to do. I don't care how much you love God. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he said, I keep under my flesh or my body, lest I having... Now, here's Paul the apostle, and he said, after all of everything that I've done, if I don't keep my body under subjection, lest I having preached to others, I become a castaway. The word castaway means a derelict or a, someone that is disqualified. Paul was saying that. He was saying this, even though I've preached to others, although I have written all these epistles, it is still possible for me, I, Paul, to eventually lose my salvation and die and be destroyed eternally in hell. So that's something for us to understand. When Paul wrote these words to the church at Corinth, he says uh, in verse 2, again, I'll pick up in the middle, I think to be bold, as I think to be bold towards some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now here's a, here's a key verse is, we, we've read many, of, I, I think many of you probably went over this several times before in your devotions as, as we read through the Word of God, and we've heard many, many different messages from myself and others. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I want to stop right there, and that's probably all I'll read out of First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, rather. When we talk about the weapons of our warfare bringing down strongholds, the word strongholds are the word citadel, or like a fortress. And in a fortress, we understand that there are normally human beings or people living inside of there. If we go back to, you know, uh, Robin Hood days or castle days or days where these fortresses would be and they would have, there would be a king in there and all of his servants in there, and that would be a place where when invading armies came, they would bring everybody into the fortress. Well, Paul is saying here that the weapons that he possessed and that we possess as a body of Christ are powerful and mighty to the pulling down of fortresses or citadels. Um, and 
he uses the word here, strongholds. The word strongholds is, you know, uh, as I said, it's, it's a fortress. It's a place where these things are kept inside of us. And he said, casting down, here, here are those strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Which the, what is the knowledge of God? Somebody help me. What is the knowledge of God? The Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's the mind of Christ that's been given to us and the Word of God that comes to us continually. And it brings in, you might say it like this, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, we oftentimes, and it's not wrong to teach this, I believe it's, the, it's a very close fruit, that the, the weapons are, you know, the name of Jesus, the Word of God, the blood of the Lord, and uh, then we could go into all of the different avenues or the different legs of, you know, everything that we teach, praying in tongues or worship. And that's not wrong. That's, that's, that's right. But when you read through 2 Corinthians and when you come to this place, you understand that what Paul is saying is that the truth that he is presenting as in truth in soundness of word and of doctrine it has the capacity to reach into civilizations, whether it's at Ephesus or whether it's at Corinth or whether it's wherever it's at, reach in and bring down, first of all, the stronghold of wherever they're at. If they're a Jewish community that believes they should stay under the law or if they are a pagan community that believes that fornicating with temple prostitutes are all right, even after they're born again, his truth that he's teaching to these nations and to the, to, uh, to the Gentiles, which is the word of God, has the capacity, he's saying, to pull down these strongholds and different ways of thinking so that what we understand from this is what empowers our authority against, against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness is the strongholds first being pour, pulled down inside of us. I said a little bit ago, there is a, a dome. I, I don't, that's, not a, that's not a biblical word, so don't, don't get preachy on that. But there is an atmosphere over every city that has not yet had revival. It's over this city. We've been calling it down. We've been calling it down for many, many years. There is a principality. There is a principality and if you break that down in the Greek, and we'll get to that, we haven't got to that scripture yet, probably not this morning. Um, there's a principality ruling. He is a physical being in the spirit realm, and he probably has many, many thousands of, of ruling class spirits with him, powers, rulers of darkness. We're not going to break all that down right now. But what happens in a revival is the same things that happen in... Uh, Jerusalem. You've got Jerusalem escalating to a point where the city goes into a frenzy. Um, you know, just hours, 24 hours before Christ is uh, delivered over to Pilate, to Herod, to Pilate, and then crucified. He was a very popular figure. Nobody knew who he was, as in Messiah, but he was a very popular figure because he was healing the people. 
people loved him up to that point. He could go out in the desert and thousands, 5,000 men plus women and children, possibly 20,000 people would go out there and uh, 4,000 at one time, but wherever he went and people loved him. Now you've got a city turns out desperately in a frenzy because you see that, of course, it is God's will that to get Christ to the cross. And the, the Bible says if the princes of this world had known, they never would have slain the Lord of glory. There was a covering, not just from Satan, but God covered the hearts and minds of those that were already, already over in, in pretense and in darkness so that they could not see who he really was. Because some generation had to crucify him or else we would never. Somebody had to come to a point where, and we say they were wrong in what they did, yes, but in a certain sense they were used by God because they were already in wickedness, but God said, because you're already in wickedness, you're already blinded, I'm just going to blind you all the way at this point in time so that you'll not see who he is so that you will put him on the cross because all the world must be saved. But this this city goes into a frenzy it crucifies him and they're 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 crying out by the thousands crucify him they're crazed well what happened of course it's the hour of darkness but on the day of pentecost there's an explosion i would have loved to seen that in the spirit to see how that that ruling class devil and demons were so shaken on the day of pentecost when the fire fell and their power and their influence, if you want to say that, was crushed over that region. They actually were brought down. They are actually destroyed in such a way that whew, the power of God comes in to Jerusalem in such a way is that when Peter stands up and he preaches just a what would seem like it was very powerful, but it was not, it was not lengthy. It was not filled with long dissertation of doctrine, and yet... 3,000 people are born again, at least, plus. Just a few days later, as a result, as a, as a healing uh, miracle that takes place at the temple, 5,000, Peter stands up again and preaches the word. The, the city is exploding now, exploding. They're now saying, what must I do to be saved? What happened? Well, the, the Holy Ghost came, but also a devil over that region had to be expelled. It had to be brought down because devils rule where they have the capacity to rule at. And this is what Paul was saying here. Much of what I'm giving you has the capacity, if you use it, to pull down strongholds, not just strongholds out there, but first and foremost in your hearts and your minds that are keeping back the move of the glory of God. Pastor Dave came through a long fast one time. I believe he was in the tower, he said. And he went into a vision. And he saw a sphere. It was a globe. And he saw the earth. You've heard me say this before. And he saw chaos. Just tremendous, what he thought was tremendous demonic chaos. Dark clouds, ominous clouds. He saw people... Um, in the figure of the presence of God that would seek God 
and they would, at times, you would, he would see somebody put their hand through this fog, this tremendous chaotic looking fog, and it, their hand would glow. And when they would bring their hand back down, then he saw that they would touch people and miracles would take place like crazy. Wherever they were at, they would, they, those people would be called healing evangelists or the Catherine Kuhlmans or the, uh, you know, the Smith Wigglesworths. Then he saw people that would somehow struggle through the, 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 the fog or the chaos and get their heads to, through, and then they would come back to earth. And when they did, boom, doctrine, like incredible, just sound doctrine and they would write books, and, and uh, great movements would be birthed out of that. And people were struggling to bring back the very things that they received from heaven because once they got through, then they would get a glow of presence and glory. And the Lord asked him the question. He said, what is it that's keeping everybody from being able to get through that and, and being able to live in a place of that glory? And his immediate reaction was, well, it's... The devil, it's principalities, it's powers, it's, it's those demonic forces ab above. And the Lord said, no, that what you're looking at that is so chaotic, that is not the devil, it's the flesh. It's the layers of flesh in the church that it has so abated the church from moving into the places of authority to where they can actually pull down these principalities and powers. And so Dave understood that the war for a planet was really predicated on the war in the individual being won first. And let's turn to, to Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. We're actually going to read in a couple of chapters earlier, but I just wanted to, and if you've heard any of the lesson at the conference you know that the Lord accentuated this or brought this forth as far as in verse 10 Paul says this finally everybody say finally and that's all we're going to read right there so you can look up finally is finally he doesn't really say any more after that according to what he's been saying Finally is a word that means as in what is remaining, what is left to be said. Now, what is amazing to me and what really began to stand out to me is that the finally was not mentioned until um, five and a half chapters or six chapters in Ephesians, and you get a small snippet, if you might, of what he is going to refer to as finally. Because he's going to talk about the war with principalities and powers, and there is a war to be won. There has to be a war that is to be won over this region, and God has given us, he said last year, I've given you not just the city, I've given you a region. So we got, we got a promotion, but that promotion concerns me because we're, we're still in a tremendous war, not in a bad way, and we will continue to be in a war all the way to the end. <laughs> I said this, I'm reminded of it now, and many of you will remember Dave, Pastor Dave's words. He said, um, you know, uh, there was this woman that came up to, to uh, Pastor Dad Hagen one time and said, Pastor ha Brother Hagen, 
The devil has just been all against me lately. It's just been, I'll tell you what, everything has been happening, and I've been in the worst war, and I just can't take it anymore. Uh, Brother Hagen, would you please pray for me? The devil will just leave me alone. He thought for a minute, he said, ma'am, I'll pray for you. But there's only, one, there's only two ways that that prayer can be answered. One, you'll either have to die. I'll have to pray for you to die. Uh, because as long as you are in this body, there's going to be a war. Or you just go into a place where, like Paul, where you learn how to win the war. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Pastor Dave used to say this, and I, was, I started to say this when I thought of Brother Hagin. He said, you're, you're, you're at three places. Everybody that's really on this walk, you know, if you're going in, you're either at the beginning of a fight or you're right in the middle of it or you're coming out of that one getting ready to go into another one. Now, you'll get reprieves at times where you feel like, whew, things have calmed down a little bit. Understand this. If you're looking for a place to go hide, don't look for... Now, listen, I hate to, I hate to be your joy kill. I hate to. But you've got to understand, if you're going to be on this walk, there's always a war. But you can always be winning it. Well, it, so-and-so don't ever talk about I know, because they're spiritually enough that they don't complain like you do. They're, they're, they're in a war. Listen, I'll eat this Bible and my cell phone. They just say, I'll eat my hat. If anybody that's on this walk is not in a continual fight of some sort, whether against your body, your finances, your family, your this, your that, but it's joy unspeakable because you're always winning. Oh, I'm just not getting enough amens. I guess I'm not doing too good this morning. So if, you, if, you, if it helps you, well, mine's the worst of all, Pastor. I know. I know it is. I know it is. It's the worst of all. Hallelujah. <laughs> finally, he said, Finally. Because what he's saying is finally is he's about to give them the second part of the war in Ephesians. Now, we want to get to the war where, it's, where we're making a punch when, when we say it comes out. But the reason why when we say presently it don't come out or it doesn't, if the pain doesn't, uh, if the pain persists, if it doesn't begin to decline and leave. Well, it's not the devil. He doesn't have that much power. He may be attacking the individual. He may be resident on their bodies. But the fact, the truth, not the fact, the truth of the matter is this. It's not what Jesus, it's not a lack in what he did. And it's, it's just impossible for the devil to stop us. The reason why we can stand on Sunday night with a faith 
and say and speak over our region and believe that we're going to, that principality is in the process of truly falling. Now, let me tell you, when that principality truly falls, they'll, they'll fill this church up. It's a combo. It's a combo. It's God's drawing power, and it's also a loosening like that we have punched. You see a fighter. He's got a great plan, but you get his eyes watered and you get his brain mixed up when you've, when you've, when you've, get, you've get a good chin punch, and this bone that's connected to the back of his head when, it, when, when, you, when, you, when you come up with an uppercut or whatever and you touch him, it doesn't take, if you hit the chin just the right way, you can put somebody on, on the ground. But it's the, way it's, it's, it's the way it's connected. When we start making punches in the spirit, well, what we're already doing that. Listen, I know we are, and he is so proud of us as a father for doing that. But listen, he's wanting a bunch to come to a place, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of advertising where we're going because I can see we're not going to get there this morning. But I'm telling you this. The reason why we can have any effect upon him coming down is because we've done everything else up to the finally. Five and a half chapters, he teaches us the first war, which obviously is much more important, which is the dying to the flesh. The dying to the flesh and the war of mortification gives credence to and authority to us being able to speak into those realms and pull down those strongholds. Now, you're lopsided, I'm sorry, you're lopsided and you're not fully dressed. You're not fully dressed with proper armament if you're only one leaning too heavy in one area. Now, I will say this, the the onus, the presidents, is on the dying to the flesh. Five and a half chapters. But if you're one of these people that says, everything's the flesh, everything's the flesh, yeah, there's devils out there. The devil will eat your lunch because there is a war out there. If you're another person that says, everything's a devil and you're not in the, the, the main part or the power or the preface part of mortifying your flesh, uh, he'll laugh at you. He really will laugh at you. In other words, if you've got a group of people, I'm not saying this is the case, but if you've got a group of people sitting in, here on a Sunday night where there's envy, maybe they're not going to the bars, but they're still a little bit, uh, he said in one place that we'll get to maybe next week, he said, let not the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, this is part of the mortification, getting up to the finally. Everybody say finally. finally. Everybody say the finally was the final. The finally was the, final. The, finally was the, second, part the finally was second part of the war. If I don't do the first part, there's no need in me trying to do the second part. In other words, uh, if I'm sitting here on a Sunday night and I let the sun go down on my wrath, what does that mean? You did something. It could have been big, small, medium. And I'm just still a little bit miffed about it. I'm still just a little bit aggravated about it. Well, it don't do me much good to speak to the principality over this region when the sun has gone down several days on my wrath. Because the thing that's supposed to make him move is the character inside of me and the authority. 
I've come to the place where the finally is so working on the inside of me through his authority that when I speak to him, I get his attention. Dave said many people are rebuking the devil. Most of the church rebukes the devil out of a stronghold that he put them in. It's like trying to fight yourself out of a, you know, a stronghold that you're, you're there and you're the creator of the stronghold. And so I enjoyed, you've heard me say it many times, but I, I, I took it to another place where I, the imagery was, uh, I, I talked at the conference about, some of you heard it, that painting or that picture of all those dogs sitting around, the bulldogs sitting around the coffee, you know, the round table playing poker, smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. And it's a fictitious painting, of course. You got all those, it's cute, all those bulldogs and all those dogs. And I said, as you've heard me say before, I won't belabor it this morning, but that's how in the realm of the spirit, it's often, they've set up camp. They set up camp, not that you're, not that Christians, not all Christians, are, and for the most part, uh, that's not the case that Christians are actually possessed, but they've set up camps inside of our lives through strongholds by the way we think and we've let sun the sun go down on our wrath and pastor dave said you know we'll speak to the devil and we'll say you you stop that get out of my life and he says oh shut up i'll leave when you stop yelling at your wife well how serious how serious it is for for revivalists to understand how the the walk of love Ours now is hopefully not get coming out of bars, cocaine, or, or drug addiction, or porno, or this, that, and the other, although there's, there's grace for change in that. <laughs> but listen, we're, we're past the point. I say this comically. So to me, it's comical. I guess in some places, it's a living reality. But for a man to wake up next to his girlfriend that he's been sleeping with and say, you know, honey, because he goes to a church that doesn't teach truth, you know, honey, I think the devil's fighting our finances. Now, some of you didn't get it. I'm so, ooh, that scares me. The devil's not fighting their finances. He's destroying them through the stronghold that's in their life. Do they have authority to drive him out? Absolutely not. It ain't happening. Living in adultery for year after year and standing and saying well the devil's attacking my finances i'm going to drive him out how are you going to drive out somebody that you are best friends with your boys your homies your teammates the devil's fighting our we don't never have enough at the end of the month mm. seriously well yeah it, he could be stealing from me but don't 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 rebuke him because he'll slap you back. You're looking at that porno and you're going to tell him to get out of your life? He'll just say, you know what, I'm going to slap the snot out of you if you say that again. You didn't have enough last month to get, get, get stuff done. I'll take everything from you this month. Are you crazy? Now listen, the devil doesn't get to be the one, listen, understand this, I'm not teaching that the devil gets to be the one who judges our character to say, okay, I'm the judge, so they don't have authority to cast me out. So he's not, no, the judge is Christ, 
and the inward witness. You've got two judges. You've got the inward witness to follow the dictates of the, the inward witness. And then the Holy Spirit is an overseer to that. If you, the first obligation is for us to follow the inward witness. But then if you don't go, if you harden your heart towards that, the Holy Spirit will come and try his best or do his best to convict you of things in your life. But it's not that the devil gets to be the judge and says, oh, they're fooling around. I'm not going to. No, what it is is this, is that if you're not following the dictates of the Spirit, the carnality of your flesh will cover up all authority in your life. And the finger of God, which is the Holy Ghost, why is it that people scream? We haven't had any around here. I'm telling you, we're going to have some screamers. Y'all, don't get upset when they start coming out. It won't be church as usual. Why do people scream when the devil's coming out of them? Because the finger of God, which is the Holy Ghost, is pulling that devil out. And that devil's under extreme duress. He doesn't want to come out. It hurts him. Listen, the reason why those devils in this fictitious card game that I'm talking about could say, I'm not, mm -mm, no, I'll slap you harder than you just, you want to talk to me? I see what you're doing. They know that when you speak to them, whether they can see the outward signs, because some things are, so now we're going to digress, to, now we're going to go into just a little bit for the next two minutes of something beyond adultery, you know, fornication. Those are, those are, those are the harder things, you know, porno, this, that, and the other. Those are recognizable. But when a devil hears a Christian say, get out of my life, get out of my finance, and get out of that person's body, they might not know everything you're doing. They're not the Holy Spirit, and they don't get to judge you. What they do get to judge is, what is the authority that's coming out of you? It's not even a judgmental thing. It actually will either come with a strength that emanates from you to them and actually makes them do what you're saying. They might not know everything you're doing. They, they're not God in that sense, and they don't get to judge. What they do know is what kind of authority is coming from you. And what kind of authority that's coming from you or not coming from you is all based on the levels of flesh that are still yet unabated. And that goes to, as I said, as we get closer to closing on this part this morning is It's not a perfection in ourselves, but it is a place where we come in Ephesians chapter 6, and I, I believe we'll do some more next week, is this. That the more that we're dead, when I speak, and I'm right here with you, but now we're past bars, drugs, all, all that stuff, you know, and, and there's, there's healing, deliverance for all that as well. We'll have a, a, a dual part ministry but I'm, we're training evangel- we're training revivalist. But when the revivalist sit here on a Sunday night or at home or any place, much of your authority, when you speak to principalities and you speak to a region or you speak to the devil over your child that's burning up with a fever, it's not that you're not a Christian. And it's not that you don't believe. Unbelief is much of it. But the other 
part of what we're presenting this morning is this. And Paul lays this out in the previous chapters before he gets to the finally. If there's anything like that first war means more than the second. Because the first war predicates the second. In other words, if, let's just take that one again. If the sun has gone down on your wrath, what does that mean? Be quick to forgive. Be quick to settle things. Be quick to let something go. Let it go now. In other words, don't even let a 24-hour period, don't let the sun go down and you're still mad. Or up, Well, I'm not mad, Pastor. I know, but you know what? There's a lot of kissing cousins to mad, mad or angry. We use those words like that's the extreme. Have you, ever, have you ever, what about words like pouting? You're still pouting. Nobody, you can put on a face and everybody will think you're just, you got over it, but you're smoldering. Smoldering. Still smoldering, still, listen, the warfare can come back at you and you can still sometimes the war but as long as it doesn't have anything to attach itself if you get up the first thing in the morning and it's still really really bothering you i'm talking about bothering you it still hadn't been put completely under you need to get it under why because when we speak to these things and we command it to go the authority is in us already to make it go but it's buried it's buried under the flesh it's buried under different things, covetousness. He names all those other things, bitterness, envy. This is God saying, quit, stop. I, evidently, that's from my trip. That's one of those alarms from a trip. Okay, Lord. Yep. I was like, whose watch is that? Who is that among you? that dares hallelujah we exalt you jesus we love you we praise and magnify you let's all stand together you alone are worthy would you two guys the two of you please renee you can help them yeah I, renee you look so i gotta pick on renee because got he had to leave um, his job at seven to get here. Go up to Renee because if you fall asleep, I want the people to see you. You follow me? I always kind of, if I'm anointed because I, the anointing will keep people that are, should be able to, should allowed normally to go to sleep when you work all night and you don't you come to church after working all night uh, if the anointing can keep you awake so he did really good he did really good of course he's sitting next to a beautiful woman so yeah hallelujah so father we worship you if you're under the sound of my voice let's all let's all uh, just close our eyes and just pray for a moment in the name of Jesus, if you're here this morning or if you're watching through that camera and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, it is so simple. Maybe you've understood what is being said today. Maybe some of it is just kind of like, I'm not really sure what that guy's talking about. I'm not even sure if I agree with everything he's talking about, but I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And that's what this whole thing is about. It's all about his love for you. 
The Father God in heaven loves you. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why we're here this morning is to, to say, we've got something to offer you. It's free of charge. You don't have to, you don't have to send in an offering. It's just this simple. Jesus came and gave his life, was crucified, was beaten for us, and was crucified. He died on the cross, took sin, your sin and my sin on him, actually went into hell and suffered there as a result of mine and your sin, and then rose on the third day, and now he's ascended to the Father. The Word tells us if we confess our sins, you can't remember all your sins. What it's saying is, if you just come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've committed many sins. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you were born, you and I were born into sin. You could give a million dollars. You could help people for the rest of your life, work in orphanages and old folks' homes. And you'll never be... Uh, you'll never be good enough. You have to be changed. So this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. And that prayer is this. It's a confession of our sins and then the belief in our heart. Just a simple belief that God raised Christ from the dead. And what you're saying is, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I'm my sins. Forgive me of all my sins, and I will follow you in righteousness and true holiness for the rest of my life. So if that's you this morning... Let's pray this prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray it together. If you're at home or in this building, and uh, if you're praying this prayer for the first time, come up and see me afterwards because we want to help you. We want to start a relationship with you that will help you. And email us. Email us and let us know you prayed this prayer. Please, let's say this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus came, died, resurrected for my sins Jesus come into my life forgive me of all my sins and wash me in your blood I'm sorry Lord forgive me Lord I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior Father I will serve you and Christ the rest of my life I call myself a born-again believer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the second part is very important for you. If you come up here in a little bit in a line, uh, if anybody needs prayer this morning after we close, please, you can come up for prayer physically or anything. So. If you come up for just the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'll pray with you. And uh, elders kind of hang around for just a little bit just to see if anybody comes. If they don't, then you're free as well. But those of you that are watching, it's so important. There was two parts to Christ's coming. It was first our salvation. First and foremost, the second part was to give you the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was given to you partially. You were totally recreated in righteousness and true holiness. But now there is a baptism. The word baptism means an immersion, a completeness, a fullness. 
And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can read about it in the book of Acts, chapter 2. It is something that comes on your spirit and you receive it. And as you receive it, you also, the Bible talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift of the Holy Spirit is in two parts. It is the Holy Spirit. He is a gift, but he also brings a spiritual gift, which is called the gift of praying in tongues. If you do not pray in tongues this morning, I can't recommend it enough. I highly would recommend it as an empowerment to your life, as an encouragement to your life. It'll help you through your everyday hard things, easy things. I'm going to pray another prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray that with me. Those of you that they receive the Holy Spirit, those of you at home, you can receive the Holy Spirit. Many people that are watching us this morning have done just that. I would say once I release the Holy Spirit that you begin to believe that He is going to fill you up. As He fills you up, you don't have to make it happen, but you can just believe simply that as He fills you up that there is a language that He will create. That language is very simple. Everybody's language is different. You don't have to say, well, I've heard you, Pastor Bronk. I don't know if I can repeat. You don't have to repeat my words. Everybody's language is different. That's why it is the Holy Ghost. It is God. Because only He can create language. I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to pray for you. And I would say now or during this day, you will feel an urge. I'll just say that, an urge. Maybe you want to be alone when you do it because you're not sure what if you're right or wrong. Sometimes people think, this is just me. It's not just you. Not after this prayer, it won't be just you for you to just begin to say, Lord, I love you, and then you stop and listen, and whatever you begin to hear coming up, well, I hear a syllable that says, Ukra. What's Ukra? I don't know. I just said that because I could hear it just now. Let me listen. I hear, Kura, Balaba, Labose. Oh, I don't know what those are. It's a language. It's being created. The Holy Spirit creates it in your spirit. It kind of bypasses your brain, and you just kind of say, okay, I'm letting God do this. Some of you are going to be filled this morning or as a result of this. I'm going to pray for you. Let me pray first, and then I'm going to release the Spirit, and He will baptize. Father, I praise you for the glory of God that is working in this house and working through the places that are watching this morning, and some will be watching afterwards. Right now, let's all pray this, dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus will baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, I receive you now as I received Christ, so I receive you into my spirit. Create this language in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I release the Holy Ghost to be upon you and to flow in you in Jesus' name. Now, let's all just create that atmosphere for just a moment. All of you that are filled, just begin to speak out in tongues. Enough that, every, that even the person beside you can hear you. Sola Stated. Come on. Come on. Let's do it as a church. Raise the volume. Uh, come on, church. Raise the volume of your, your prayer, I should say. Kurale barade di osa la karade di ete la kreste di ete. 
Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus, now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I believe, Jesus. I believe, Jesus. I believe. Hallelujah. This morning, if you need prayer, as Harry leads us in something, um, if you need prayer before you leave, we're going to pray. I'm going to dismiss you. Be very sensitive for people that may need prayer. Um, if there if there is someone that comes up, or if there's a number that come up, be sensitive to your talk. Uh, please fellowship outside. Um, and if you want to stay in here, you can. You can sit and remain and pray with us. Hallelujah. So, Father, right now I bless this congregation. And we just thank you for the mighty miracles that are taking place even this morning. And if anyone needs prayer, in Jesus' name. You are formally dismissed, but if you need prayer, step up, come to the front. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus, and there is
Pray for Rex and Marsha. They've got several ministering appointments. A few weeks they got you. So bike, bike fifth, bike October fifth, Daytona. That's coming up next week. Thunder Beach and Panama City. That's right after it. 
and the pumpkin run in Jacksonville. So you those different ones ministering. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we send them out. Lord, we're so thankful they're part of this ministry, but we thank you, Lord, as they go into the world to win the lost, that you're there with them and your hand is upon them. And that, Lord, in Jesus' name, there is a covering over them. We release the angels to them and we speak in the authority of God. And we say in Jesus' name, Satan, no weapon formed against them in any of these events or any of the going and coming from them will prosper. And we say that in Jesus' name, every tongue that rises in judgment against them, we condemn and our authority is from the Lord. And their righteousness is from the Lord to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. This honor hath all his saints. In Jesus' name, whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Therefore, we say they have favor wherever they go. We say that there's no attitudes, uh, nothing against them. Lord, no accidents, nothing that can bring chaos. We bind all these things and cast them down in a release of power and angelic hosts to go before them. And we give you all the praise and glory and that souls and will be harvested in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, no church tonight, but thank you for sticking around. We'll have many, many more wonderful services. Uh, bring the sick. We'll pray for them. And uh, hallelujah. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you back here on Wednesday. Praise the Lord. Amen.